millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. True Hauntings is a Frightfully Good production. Fremantle Prison was a hellhole built by convicts for convicts in the mid-1850s. In its time, it never had any modernisations or refurbishments to improve conditions within the prison, and therefore no modern sanitisation, even up until its closure. 44 hangings took place at the prison, 43 men and one woman took the walk to the gallows, which were conducted indoors in what was called the hanging room. In the hanging room, there was a beam of timber that allegedly was transported by ship to the prison after having served over 100 years of duty in the United Kingdom. Hi, I'm Renata. Hi, and I'm Anne, and we welcome you to this week's episode of the True Hauntings podcast, where we are going to head back down under to Australia, our hometown. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Welcome, man, to Australia. <laughs> my, my hometown. Oh Australia is my hometown, didn't you know? Jeez. <laughs> the brain is still not functioning properly. Give me a break. <laughs> but yeah, if we thought we were busy beforehand, 
<laughs> we're flat out. We need out. to stop saying we're busy because... <laughs> oh, we're flat out. Yeah. The universe goes, no, you can take a little bit more. Yeah. Just come on. We'll just nudge this on to you now. No. Yeah, but we've got some exciting things coming up this week. We yes. have our very first True Hauntings live yeah, event. Yeah, that's at happening. At Maitland Jail. That's happening um, next week for us and for you guys. It will be post mm-hmm. by the time that happens. We will have been blooded mm-hmm. for our first True Hauntings Live. And we had a bit of a tech run the other night, didn't we? And it was fantastic. Oh, there were smoke machines and red lights <laughs> and audio visual presentation mm-hmm. with Steve at the helm. Yes, And he, yes. he was good at... Um, navigating that we're just in there going no we're the stars we don't need to do anything no we've... no it's um it's a brilliant setup we are so thankful for maitland jail um allowing us to do it uh, in the jail in one of the wings yeah so it's very sort of atmospheric it is it is and a big shout out to mike too who we know listens to this podcast and seems to think i have a dirty mind Mm. i I have no idea why after last week's episode (laughs) (laughs) oh boy that was a humdinger but we do have some exciting things that are going to be coming up we are going to stay at a haunted location next monday night Mm -hmm. and that's a little reward to ourselves i feel Mm -hmm. Um, um, but we won't have done the true haunting thing by then, but we need it anyway. But we've got another little secret one the week after that, which we're not going to talk about yet. No, no. It's a secret. It's, it's secret. Yes. So it's uh, it's interesting. Now, this particular episode, we have been to Fremantle Prison. Well, I've been twice. Oh, have you? Yes, I have. Mm, I was to say sorry. <laughs> I went with my other <laughs> travel buddy on the first one, my husband, oh. when he can be Sorry, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> he can be bribed to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, he works so hard that it's really hard for him to get time off to go away on holidays. And we're meant to be having a holiday coming up. And uh, he told me he might not be able to make it. And I said, well, I'm going on my own. I'll take the dogs and I'll go. But, yeah, that's all right. We'll get there. Yeah. So we, we went to Fremantle um, because we had a few other things to do. Yeah. And we... Tried to tee up Fremantle Prison. I think we went we one day so and we close. couldn't do it. Yeah. And then we, we went the next day. Yeah. Um, but it's huge. It's massive. It's absolutely huge. And I've got some photos. So I found all my photos and I'll share them up online when it uh, when we get around to this one coming out, Friday week for us. Fabulous. Mm. I don't think we behaved ourselves while we were there. No, no. Not, not by looking at some of the photos, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So let's, let's get on with this story. Okay. My story is about my visit to the famous Fremantle Prison when I was around the age of 14. I attended the Torchlight Tour with my best friend and her mother. The Torchlight Tour runs for 1 hour 30 minutes and is completely in the dark. All you have is a small torch that the tour guides hand out to you. Back then, I wasn't informed of the paranormal and quite frankly, I was a bit of a sceptic. I had heard that Fremantle Prison was quite haunted and very notorious for sightings of apparitions. I eagerly wanted to experience some kind of ghost for myself to put my scepticism to rest. This tour took place at 6.30pm and being winter, it was dark by then. 
I had a Sanyo digital camera, the basic kind, that I had brought along in the hopes to try and capture something out of the ordinary. We were waiting for the tour group to be called. My friend and I were sitting on a low rock wall mucking around just near the entrance to the prison grounds. I remember taking a few silly snaps together and taking random shots of the entrance here and there, reviewing them with my friend to see if we'd discovered anything in the photos. Nothing came up. Yet. The tour guide yells out for the group to gather and get prepared. He pulls out a large box full of little black torches and says, These are yours to keep as a souvenir to remember your time here. As each person in the group took a torch, we entered the block. The first room in the building we entered was what I believe to be a kitchen. It had these huge metal-type containers. I took a couple of snaps and followed the group to the next area. I believe the next place we were shown was the courtyard leading to all the other areas of the prison. I snapped pictures of each section of the courtyard, including a picture of the guide. He then led us to the main cell block, which felt super eerie and cold. Above us was what the prison named the Suicide Net. As there were numerous cells on different levels, it was popular for inmates to throw themselves off the side and fall to their death. It took two years for the government to install the suicide net, so as you can imagine, prisoners were still launching themselves over the railing. As the guide was telling us about the stories, a dummy appeared out of nowhere with the net catching its fall. Most of the group were quite jumpy, as you could imagine. Exploring deeper into the block, the tour guide told us about artwork that the convicts had done on their cell walls. We weren't allowed to take photos of the art with the flash on because it can fade the paint. I took pictures of the other cells in the hopes of capturing something, something paranormal. After we toured the cells, we moved out to another courtyard for where the inmates would go daily to stretch their legs. The next thing we came across was the whipping post, another section of the outdoor area. The tour guide explained it would be used to punish convicts by whipping and lashing them and then covering the convicts with salt. In the courtyard, there was a freedom mural that was painted by an inmate. It was beautiful, a sunset behind a beautiful field of lush green grass and tall trees. The tour guide then proceeded to show us death row. When an actor wearing prison attire popped out of one of the cells and scared the living poop out of all of us. He then explained the history on death row while each of us briefly popped our heads in the cell before our guide then took us to the gallows. The gallows felt extra eerie. Seeing the rope and the open trap door was super creepy. I took a couple of snaps before the guide stopped to tell us about the convicts who were hanged. After that, we went to the church. This area felt almost frantic, as if it were full of people, even though the church was very spacious. I took a few photos of the cross, and then sat down on the bench to rest with my friend and her mum. As we took in the atmosphere, I turned around to take more pictures. After the church, I can't remember any of the other areas. When we got back to my friend's house rather late, we were extremely tired. 
Before we decided to hit the sheets, I thought it'd be a good idea to review all of the pictures I had taken. A few silly pictures of my friend and I, a few of the entrance to the prison, and some rather odd photos. The first odd photo was in the kitchen of the big metal tubs. In between the two tubs were these perfectly round, different coloured orbs. About four or five. Some of them transparent and some of them full. They were all different sizes. The next photo was of the tour guide in the courtyard. Above him looked like what I assumed to be the moon, but with zooming in and inspecting further, it was transparent. It was almost like a creamy colour. The photo after that was a random spot in the courtyard, the creepiest of the entire series. There, in that photo, stood a man in what looked like a white doctor's coat. You could barely see his facial features, but I could also make out that he had glasses. He was completely transparent, and only his head, shoulders, and torso could be seen. He had no legs in this picture, but you can see his long coat hanging freely. Next to him was a large, transparent orb that was almost like a green aura around it. The rest of the photos had a substantial amount of orbs. It was crazy. Numerous sizes, colours and transparency. The most orbs were in the church, floating around the cross. Maybe that's why it felt rather crowded in there. Maybe that's where all the souls of the prisoners took solace. And that rather long soundscape, which Renata behaved herself perfectly in, considering I was mentioning orbs, uh, came from... Uh, I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was written by someone, uh, Perfectly Disturbed. Um, it was the name of the, the, the lady person that wrote it. And I like how they've started off saying they didn't know much about the paranormal, but oh my God, the orbs, the orbs mm. were everywhere. Like, yeah. Oh, geez. But the doctor was interesting. Uh-huh. The, the, but when you've got actors uh-huh. around the place and you're using a camera. Manne- that, man- yeah, mannequins. And yeah, and you're using cameras that aren't designed to be used at night uh-huh. with slow shutter rates. Um, that could have been one of the actors in the background and it just was too grainy to make out what was still there. So, you know, you've gone and spoilt everything. Sorry. By, Do you know, want me to stop the podcast? Using and Using your logical mind oh. and trying to explain that. I know, well, that's my job, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> so, if you're wondering where Fremantle Prison is... It's my Fre- backyard. Fremantle... <laughs> <laughs> It is, Caesars, you know, your backyard is Australia. Australia, mate. <laughs> uh, I don't know why the Americans don't understand what we're saying. No, it's know, very right? clear. Yeah. <laughs> it's very clear. <laughs> so uh, in Western Australia, the capital is Perth. Yep. And Fremantle is a hop, skip and a jump away. Yep, down it's, the road. It's just south of Perth. 
And it's a really nice place. We've we've spent some time there. Very nice. Except that the ocean is on the wrong side, as you (gasps) said. Oh, that upset me so much. And I couldn't shut up about it. I must have driven you nuts. (laughs) I just can't understand why you thought it was on the wrong side. Because I've grown up on the east coast of Australia all my life, and I'd never been over there apart from a cruise. Uh, I cruised around there. Uh, And I, I actually grew up. On an island, and it was connected yeah, by the Australia. But the, the, <laughs> oh, jeez, a smaller island, uh-huh. Nobbies, and the water was like if you head north, the water is always to your right. So that I just my uh, just, just, internal compass just was I was spinning, I was mm. spinning, I wasn't coping that we were heading north and the water was on my left. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll give you that one. I, I still. Shake my head. Oh, you're but anyway. just not as woke as me. No, that's, that's what right. it is. And uh, in Western Australia, we're talking about the Indian Ocean coast. And this particular spot, Fremantle Prison, is the largest and best preserved convict built prison um, in Australia. And it is the state's only UNESCO World Heritage Site, which I think is quite interesting. But um, what about that place in Tasmania? Brickenden? Yeah, but it's not. It's not a prison. Oh, it's not a prison. No, no, that's true. <laughs> I, I was thinking, are they saying that Tasmania is not part of Australia? Because no. we'll go smack them. No, no, no they're, no, they're definitely okay. part of Australia. It's okay. Yes. Oh, look, my it's brain is mush, <laughs> and we're recording at night again. This is never good recording at night. Did <laughs> I? Yeah, I know, I know, but Bonnie needed it early, so we're doing no. this for you, Bonnie. Did I, did I tell you the mistake I made many, many years ago when we were planning one of our very first trips no. and we decided to go to Australia and I get on the phone? You decided to go to Australia? Don't you mean Tasmania? <laughs> the, Tasmania. The, yeah, yeah the, the other part of Australia. <laughs> I call up. Oh, no, you didn't. Um. Yeah, this is Renata Daniel. I'm calling from Newcastle, Australia. <laughs> and I've got... Oh, this is really embarrassing. And I just hung up. Of, <laughs> They've got your course, name now. You can't stay there. Of course, Tasmania is part of Australia. But anyway. <laughs> New Zealand is not. We're, we're just going to put that out there because many people think New Zealand is part of Australia. It's not. No, they're, our, they're our cousins. I think it was at one stage. Oh, I wouldn't many, say that to them. <laughs> many, many bazillion years ago. I don't know. You'll get the hucker screamed at you if you say that was. But anyway, mm. no, they're our beautiful cousins. We love our uh, New Zealand cousins. Mm-hmm. Go on. Keep going. So... Fremantle Prison was firstly built, as we said in the introduction, by convict labour. And it started in 1850 and it it remained in continual use until 1991. Now, I found this really interesting that uh, there were no changes made to the prison at all. So they pooped. They pooped in a bucket (gasps) from the very beginning and they pooped in the bucket to to the very end. Oh my God! Yes, yeah. they they said that it took months for the smell oh. of of uh, human excrement to oh, leave poop. the building. That's called poop. Once the prisoners had gone. Oh yucko! Yeah. Now it was based on a design in um, British prisons uh, called the Pentelville Prison. Oh yeah, Pentelville. That's design. that's on um. Uh, what do you call it? Monopoly. Right. And it was the longest 
tallest prison cell block in the Southern Hemisphere. And I remember seeing that and it was freaking huge. I think it's four levels, if I remember correctly. It's huge. It took them eight years, eight years to complete that block. And uh, in 1886, it started to take in local people that committed crime. So initially it was convict built for convicts and they initially brought over convicts because um, the Swan River community there, because it was so far away from everywhere else in Australia, it was really languishing and it wasn't doing well. So they decided they'd throw more people over there um, and of course, it was convicts. So convicts went over with family. There were military guards that went over with family. Uh, and so the whole area exploded. But you had to put the convicts somewhere. So they built their own prison and then they did work around the area, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's beautiful buildings in Perth and in Fremantle that were all convict built, I think. Mm. Yeah. So like most other prisons of that era, there were many things that went on, um, as in on the East Coast, such as hangings, floggings. There were obviously convict escapes as well, and there were many, many prison riots uh, during those years. Now, the first convict transport that sailed into Fremantle Harbour was in 1850, And the place it was built initially was called the Convict Establishment. That's what the prison was first known as. And it was built between 1852 and 1859 using limestone that was cut from around the area. And the first prisoners moved into the main cell block in 1855. It was renamed Fremantle Prison in 1867 and transportation finally ceased, so no more convicts were coming into Fremantle. But nearly 10,000 convicts passed through what they called the establishment between 1850 and 1868. That's so it's only 18 years mm-hmm. and 10,000 convicts. Because they've got a long way to come, and it's not like today where it's you know a short trip. Yeah, yeah. Now, before the rise of prisons in the 1700s, there were punishments, like I said, um, such as hangings, floggings and um, burnings. And these were all public events and very, very brutal. Did you say burnings? Burnings, yes. That, what? what? Yeah. Over in England, they like to burn people. Oh, God. Mm. And um, then they kind of decided that that wasn't going to be something that was seen by the general population, considering that a lot of the hangings weren't working out really well. Mm. The hangman w- would get quite intoxicated. Oh. And um, they sometimes... And stuff up the calculations. Yeah, some people needed help um, to die. Oh, It was known as a science, the science of hanging. Mm. And, of course, you you had to take measurements and weight and size and all of this sort of stuff. So Mm -hmm. a good hangman would try and do the job as neatly and as quickly as possible. But if they were inebriated... Um, or someone they might, had... They might forget to carry the one. Someone had pay, paid them to make whoever it was suffer. Oh. They would, you know, stuff it up a bit. And so, therefore, there had to be assistance required in finishing the deed. With sometimes oh. them hanging off the ends of people, like their I'm legs going and wrap pulling themselves them. Around. Oh. Um, so that their their um, neck would break, mm. and you know, I'm sorry if anyone is traumatized by this. Yeah, 
yeah, so it's, it's pretty awful. Um, but there were also other types of punishment that went on during mm-hmm. that time. So we know about things like leg irons, solitary confinement, of course, floggings and restricted I'm diets. I'm sure there was lots of flogging within the cell. Yes, I'm sure there was. Um, <laughs> You're not going to say we'll, a word. And we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute. Oh, yep. will we? Oh, fabulous. Yes. <laughs> I want to hear all about these floggings in the cell. Now, prison life was highly regulated. All meals were eaten inside the cells all the way up to 1911. And prison labour was used in much of the city of Fremantle. So that's why a lot of the buildings there are convict built. Mm -hmm. Um, There were punishments that ranged from flogging or... um, lashing, I guess, for people in other countries. Um, And I was listening to a podcast this afternoon and they tried to explain what a cat of nine tails was. Now, for those that don't know what a cat of nine tails is, it is a kind of a whip. Nothing to do with cats. No, it's a kind of a whip, but it has nine tails, so nine straps instead of just the one. So you get nine for the price of one for every every time you lash them. And just to improve the capacity of pain, they would tie into each of those strands bits of lead or uh, wire and make it so that every time you were struck with this, it would cut through the skin. So the idea was to leave a man's back slashed completely. Mince meat. Mince meat. And apparently at Fremantle, and I'm not sure of this um, because, again, I heard on a podcast, I didn't see it in any of the notes. They used to throw salt on those words. Well, that's what they said in um, the the thing that I uh, read right. out too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... There you go. And you could get anything from 25 to 100 lashes. If uh, a prisoner, uh, and there was a flogging post in the yard there, uh, if a prisoner was close to death or fainting, they would remove him, take him to the hospital, allow him to recover for as much time as he needed, mm-hmm. and then they would bring him back, tie him back to the flogging. And finish. And finish. So depending on how many lashes you had to receive, you received a lot, no matter how many times you had to come back. Mm. Humans are foul creatures. Now, they used to also shackle the prisoners um, at the ankles with a ball and chain. Mm -hmm. And so depending on whether you had tried to escape or not would depend on how weighty the ball was. But often shackles were used so so that you couldn't move very quickly or it was difficult to run. And uh, there were a lot of prisoners that suffered a lot of pain, of course, in their legs and um, in their their hips. Well, their joints joints. would be out. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so you had leg irons and often a lot of these prisoners would be assigned into the city, into the townships, wearing these leg irons um, in and doing hard labour. So not only did they break rocks within the prison to build the walls and everything, but then they would also be sent out into the city to build buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be a spectacle in itself, seeing these prisoners in these chains and shackles and and. Doing and I can imagine they would stuff. have been filthy, dirty, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, prisoners who attempted to escape were flogged. They were locked in solitary confinement on a diet of bread and water. 
and there were 12 punishment cells and six windowless dark cells. I remember them. Do you remember them? I don't. Oh, I do. They were, um, it was sort of like this, if I remember, it was a rounded sort of roof. It almost reminded me of the, uh, those uh, huts we have out near the aerodrome that the Polish community were put into, mm-hmm. um, but it was made out of stone. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they the cells were very cramped and it had a definite vibe to them. Mm, yeah. But wait till you get this. Dark- oh, I can hardly yeah. wait, Renata. Oh, look, dark cells, in the dark cells, obviously, you lost time. You didn't know whether it was no. day or night. You didn't know how long you had been in there. And you could have stayed in there from anywhere between one to six months. Months? Six months. Like... No, no, you'd go insane. No, yeah, of course. There's no way you could yeah. hang on to your sanity. Yeah. Now, after 1886, they decided that the um, maximum number of days was 28. Oh, bless this. Oh, that's so much oh. better. Not. Yeah. <sighs> um, yes, so you could be flogged with a cat of nine tails uh, or birch, a bundle of long birch twigs bound together by cord. Lordy me. Uh, and we, we have, yeah, we, we've got um, information at Maitland Jail about children being flogged with birch yeah. as well. It's so. very flexible, so it snaps mm. back and, uh, yeah, ouch. So the last flogging uh, with the cat and nine tails occurred in 1943 when a prisoner received 25 lashes. And um, in 1993, two years after Fremantle Prison shut down, down, corporal punishment and hard labour were finally removed. So that you 19, still, 1993. So it must be must have been very different over in Western Australia. No, they, they, they yeah. must have got the message about no. the fact we stopped doing that stuff. No, absolutely. It's just weird as. Now, 44 people were put to death in Fremantle Prison in a place they call the Hanging Room. And it was 43 men and one woman. And I'm going to talk about the last man who Ooh. was hanged and the last woman that was hanged. So the last man that, man that was hanged was Eric Edgar Cook, who was called the Night Caller. And he was convicted of eight murders and 14 attempted murders. And the last woman that was hanged... Was it Martha? Was... Martha Rendell? Yes. Yes, yes, where is she? Martha Rendell. Now, she was hanged a lot earlier. She was hanged um, in 1909. It's still pretty barbaric to think back then that they were doing that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, the, these people kind of deserved it, really. Now, did you You also knew that there were tunnels yes. under the prison. Yes. Now, the prisoners actually built those tunnels as well. Mm-hmm. And I know there is a, a tunnel tour that you can take if you go to Fremantle Prison. Many people think that the tunnels may have been excavated by the prisoners for escapes, but they weren't. They were actually made for the delivery of fresh water yes. to the city of Fremantle and to the prison yeah. itself. Yeah, But it was pretty long. Apparently, if you want to do those tours, they say you have to be pretty fit. And there's lots of climbing through small spaces. And I thought, well, that's us out. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can't tick both those boxes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. So Edgar <clears throat> Cook, the last man to um, be hanged at Fremantle, um, was a murderer 
And apparently he dabbled in necrophilia at times <gasps> as well. Oh. Mm, yes. Yeah. Very strange person. Dead root, that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't see that coming. That, that was just hanging there, Renata. How could we not? Oh, she's trying to hold in the wheeze. She's trying to hold it. Her face has gone under her shirt. Let it go. Let it go, Renata. Now, trying to redeem yourself after last week. For for a moment, I felt sorry about Eric Edgar Cook because he had a pretty pretty horrible upbringing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was one of. three children and oh well that's it the poor thing (laughs) no his his father had a real violent temper and used to go at him um he was an alcoholic that's his father Mm -hmm. and he showed absolutely no care about his children they obviously just happened and he couldn't give a rats about them but he could beat the absolute crap out of every single one of them especially when he was um, intoxicated and Sometimes Eric would stand up to his father and even protect um, his other siblings um, from the abuse. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that really was terrible was the fact that uh, his mother stood by and watched it all happen and wouldn't do anything. So she basically enabled it. Well, or she too terrified to do anything herself. Probably too terrified. Yeah, I, I'd say. Um, yeah, she would have just been belted to an inch of a soul. Now, also, he suffered at home, but he also suffered at school because he had a a cleft palate um, and a cleft lip. And so he looked funny. He would have been the target of every bully. Yep. And so this was just horrible. So no love at home, no No love love at at home, no love at school. But he found love with a corpse. Hold on. Oh, no, when right, when he would he would try and not go home, so he would roam the streets, um, and this is when he started to get into thieving. So mm-hmm. lots of small thefts and things in his early years. Um, and when he did come home, he actually would sleep under the house, so he didn't have to actually go into the house. Oh, poor kid. That's that's pretty awful. He tried to get into the army for a while, um, and eventually uh, his past history with you know being incarcerated for you know petty thieving got um, oh well it would have yeah, barred him straight ru- away ruined his career with that and he would he, have been a good killing machine by the sounds of he, it he spent Ugh. 18 months in jail he kept on getting into petty crime he tried very hard in his early years to live a normal life and he at the age of 22 married uh, Sarah Levine who was a 19-year-old waitress, and they together had seven children. That's a lot of kids. But he could not stop this urge to go and thieve and do worse things. So kleptomaniac. They're not quite sure how it's escalated, but it went from thieving to Mm break-ins to, you know, then starting to kill people. Yeah. And aimlessly starting to kill people. And he would do things in really weird ways. So there was no pattern. And this is why it was so hard to actually find him uh, and accuse him of anything. And there were other other people that went to prison for crimes that he actually committed. Oh. And when he finally went to, to court and said, I had committed these extra crimes, uh, the, the judge didn't believe him. 
And so he was committed um, to be hanged, but not for all the crimes that he did commit, even though he said he had done them. So what happened to the people? They went to jail and they stayed in jail for a while. They were eventually let out uh, and... um, yeah. Doesn't say much for the court system, does no. it? Well, that's true. So some of, his, some of his victims were stabbed with knives or scissors and others were brutally swung at with an axe. Oh. Now, one evening it says that he uh, actually just knocked on a random, random door and shot the home keeper, the homeowner. Uh, he would burglarise homes, kill innocent victims. He broke into a property and shot a couple as they slept. Um, he just went on this rampage. This and- is a power trip mm. because he had no power as a child. So he threw his little stealings and everything. It's just sort of built and built and built until he just kept going and seeing what he can get away with because it gave him that sense of control and power. Yeah. There is a report that says during one of these raids on a home where he slaughtered someone, he actually sat down and had a glass of lemonade before he left. Well, it's thirsty work, Renata. Mm. So then he went into necrophilia and I'm I'm not going it's a little bit yeah, a little bit a little bit as your father. Li- <laughs> we're not going to go into what he did. But it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice. Listeners, it wasn't nice. Um, let's, let's face it, anything that is necrophiliacs is not going to be nice. Yeah, it wasn't nice, so I'm not, I'm not going to go there, but let's just say it was yeah, pretty yuck. Well, at least and he didn't have to worry about pleasing them. In the end, in the end, stop it. Um, he was in caught. The end, in the end, yeah, right. He was caught. He yeah. confessed to everything, plus extra things that they didn't know he had done. He said that he had committed 22 violent crimes, including eight murders and 14 attempted break-ins in his confessions. But as it went on, he didn't stop. He said he had done over 250 break-ins and burglaries. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, this is where this pleading of insanity comes in. So he had a lawyer that said that he had schizophrenia. It was impossible for one man to do all of these mm-hmm. things. Um, and this is why they didn't believe everything you yeah. know, that he said. But, I mean, in the end, he was the last person in Austra- in Western Australia to be hanged. Um, and at that time, everyone was very, very happy that it happened to him. They really thought that he deserved it, except for one woman who apparently stayed outside the prison the whole time um, and, like, did a vigil. Yeah. And I reckon it must have been one of his children. Ah. Oh. I think that was yeah. the person. So when was he hanged? Because they, they say it was an unidentified woman, but I, I reckon it was one of um, his... It was really quite late, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I think remember. it was 1960s. Yeah, or 70s or something like that. Because I remember looking at the date going, I didn't think they were still doing... Uh, that sort of execution. Well, no. Except in Perth. Except in Perth. Western Australia. <laughs> they didn't get to carry a pigeon across the, I know. Was the Simpson Desert. <laughs> so there's Martha Rendell. Now, she um, not, not only murdered her de facto um, husband's son, um, but she also killed her two daughters, Annie and Olive, by swabbing their throats with hydrochloric, hydrochloric acid. Oh, my God. Mm. So the children died very, very slowly in agonising oh, death. Oh, no. They'd been treated by a number of doctors during their illness. So she was this one of these people that 
like would say, my children are very ill. Oh, I don't know what's babies. going on with them. <gasps> oh, well, they call that something by proxy, yeah. Munchausen by proxy or something, is it? Maybe, maybe. Oh. Um, but, yeah. Oh, she was telling me she was putting medicine on and she was putting acid on. Yes. Oh, it might sting a bit, kiddies. Yes, yes. Yeah, just next time your mother says that to you, it might sting a bit, I'd run. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So Martha Rendell moved in with Thomas Nichols Morris uh, after she had separated. After he had separated from his wife, uh, who had moved out and lived elsewhere, Morris had custody of his four children at the time. Rendell, who had known Morris whilst in Adelaide, had followed him west, moved into the house, and posed as his wife. And the children were told to call her mother. So Rendell uh, brutally abused. So they weren't her children. Morris's children. Once beating Annie so savagely that she could not walk. Uh, And so uh, arresting officer Harry Mann said she delighted in seeing her victims writhe in agony and from it derived sexual satisfaction. Apparently there is also mention that one of the neighbours could hear someone screaming from the home. So they went and they peered in the mirror and they saw her standing over the victim, which was one of the children, screaming her lungs out, absolutely enjoying every single second. Oh, it was happy sounds. No, enjoying this fit of rage that she was unleashing on this poor child. Oh, she was, oh. Yeah, so she was, yeah, she was nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, so she uh, f- tried to, she killed uh, Olive Five and uh, also killed Annie. Uh, and then she tried to kill Arthur, who was aged 14. He took a little bit longer to die. I bet you she was upset about that. Oh, um, she might have enjoyed it. And uh, she wanted to be present Uh, during the investigation and she stood by as the autopsy was performed and the doctors could find nothing to incriminate her. So this was quite interesting. She stood by and watched the child be dissected. Yes, yes, yes. Sick duck. (sighs) And then she started um, on the second son, George, and it didn't take him long to complain of a sore throat after drinking a cup of tea. Fancy that. Rendell coated his tonsils with the syrup, frightening the boy who ran to his mother's place some streets away. And this goes on and on. She would just attack everyone um, with hydrochloric acid um, and eventually 
she was found out and she was the last woman to be hanged at the prison. Well, I've got a story about her yeah, too. But just before we finish, oh, oh. I found two really interesting things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you find Did anything you know? about Moondine Moon Joe or his name I was? I read about him, but I thought I'd let you talk about that. I, I don't, actually don't have any ghost stories on him. Oh. I want to find out. I mean, I want you to know that two very famous people have been to visit uh, Fremantle Prison while they've been in Australia. Anne and Renata? No, 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 sorry, no, no. More more famous than us? Yes, yes. Really? Yes. Oh, just slightly, a little bit more famous. Just a little bit more famous. Are you going to tell me? You're just going to keep... I've just lost it. Oh, that'd be right. (laughs) You gathered yourself now. Yes, yes. So right. the first person that I'm going to talk about is Mick Jagger. Oh, really? Yes. Mick Jagger went to Fremantle Prison. I wonder if he'd like to come to Maitland Jail. Check it out. <laughs> to check it out. Uh, and he came in 2014 and there was a concert going on and he was given a uh, ticket to go to some of the you know, high high places of interest uh, and he went to Fremantle Prison with four of his minders and he said uh, it is said that the rock legend was really interested in history and really interested in Fremantle and he was also expected to visit the Roundhouse. Oh yes. Yes, which also held some of the prisoners. Yeah. Uh, we never got to see the Roundhouse. We didn't have time to do that. I walked through it when I was there with Roman but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've never got inside it. Now, the next person to visit came uh, an, a year later in 2015, and it was Alice Cooper. Oh! Alice Cooper. Did he eat any chickens while he He's, was there? <laughs> he is apparently quite a, a historian, and because he does some of those mock, um, you know, horrific things on stage like um, executions and stuff he thought he would go behind bars into a spooky prison to just check out what it was all like so he went in and he said he was fascinated by the historic gallows which were used to execute 45 people well that's one more than we've got in our research notes so anyway anyway and I was more interested in the history of the whole place especially when you see the hanging room there's something I do on stage and it's a good trick but when you realise they actually put the metal in a certain place so they know it's going to snap your neck at exactly the right place and it's a science, that's bizarre. If there was anything paranormal, it would be there. Now, he... Oh, there's a lovely picture of him here hanging on to the gallows. Oh, good on you. The most (laughs) amazing... You're weird. <laughs> the most amazing thing about it was they actually built this. The convicts built the prison themselves. You don't hear of anything like that. Well, welcome to Australia, mate. <laughs> Usually there's a government thing they do and it's still standing. They did a pretty good job, Cooper said. Um, we never get to do things like this. Normally we come into town, we see the venue, we go shopping or something, we go to a movie, we go to dinner and then we're gone. We do the show and we're gone, he said. So he was very... Very much um, really interested in being yeah. able to go and check it out. It did say he did not find anything paranormal yeah. on his visit. Yeah. 
I remember when I was working at Q Station, there was someone like Kesha or someone wanted to come and do um, an investigation there. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Well, I'm, I'm happy to take them. I'm going, who's Kesha? <laughs> I had no idea. We had to look it up to see who it was. But then she ended up going with another guide or she couldn't make it or something. Oh. But I was like, oh, I would have had a photo with her. You <laughs> would have, absolutely. Or she would have had a photo with you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm. Oh, I would have tagged her. Um, so I'm handing it over to you now. My turn. Um, yeah, so the Moondine Joe, if I remember correctly, they he used to escape all the time and they actually built the jail to hold him because they got sick of trying to catch capture him. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me tell you about the ghosties. Now, there is actually not a huge amount of information. Um, uh, I, I sort of dug and I dug and I came up with a few bits. So let me tell you, firstly, we'll go on with Martha. So Martha Rendell. So uh, she is the one who killed the two daughters and I think you mentioned the son as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently her face can be seen in the chapel windows. Mm-hmm. Um and they said her face imprinted on one of the windows in the Fremantle Prison's chapel. It seems as though her face has been symbolically etched onto the jail itself as if she is gazing outwards but never able to leave. That was from Amy's Crypt. She mm-hmm. wrote that. I thought that was really nicely written. Um, so, yeah, uh, when you get in the right light and the right angle, you can see some sort of face in the glass and at other times you can't see it. We've got one like that at Maitland Jail. We do. And it just looks like a smudge, really, mm. but people think that it's that's a haunting. And 20 sure. years later, they still come and they stare into that glass yes. in the door. And they look above them and go, see, that's where the hangman used to drop them. And it, it wasn't. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. It's interesting how these stories... Um, sort yeah. of evolve with Chinese whispers. Yeah, and be, and because you see something that um, kind of looks like it could be something else, it fits a story and it carries on. Yeah. And look, the, the you did mention the uh, execution area and that uh, you, Alice Cooper said if anyone was going to be haunted, that's where it would have been. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently people do take pictures there and... Sometimes their head disappears off the picture. Yes. Isn't that weird? That's crazy. Cameras tend to fail. There are strange light anomalies and orbs. Fancy there being orbs in a jail that old. Fancy that. Definitely paranormal. Uh, So what else have we got there? Uh, People feel unnatural sensations. Mm -hmm. Mm. I would be more interested if somebody all of a sudden developed a red rash around their neck or something like that. But I think if you know that it's a haunted location, uh, sorry, a a place where people died in that exact spot, you do feel something. Because I I, I sort of think that um, the emotion of the location imprints itself yes and i mean you're susceptible to believing that you can feel it Mm -hmm. um maybe you can't but you just think you can uh right now the main cell block geez my nose is still so blocked (laughs) i listened to myself in an earlier podcast and i went oh geez okay yeah i can hear how blocked i am now um so in the main cell block there's uh, somebody has reported seeing black shadow, shadowy figures, uh, strange smells. Um, now, they also talk about the, a beam of light that can be seen. Now, Parramatta Jail gets that as well. This 
beam of light that appears out of a window across the other side where there are no lights. Um, right, so this black figure. Now, it's been reported by a couple of people. There was one that was a guard on duty in the gun post, glimpsed a mysterious figure in black. Even when the figure disappeared, the guard refused to re-enter the gun post and ended up getting transferred mm-hmm. to another prison. Mm. That mm. rattled them that much. Yeah. There is another report from somebody that walked, uh, worked there, uh, and it was a cleaner. And the cleaner made eye contact with a figure before passing out. Oh. Yeah, they just fainted clean, clean away. When describing the, f- the figure to fellow staff, they identified him as a former prisoner who had died in another prison the day before. Oh, that's interesting. So that's a crisis apparition, really, yeah. isn't it? When uh, they project themselves into another area. But mm. um, did it take that long for them to get their spirit over to Perth? I don't know. Uh, there is another report of an owl that will appear at the uh, anniversaries of hangings. We heard that when we were there. That's a story yeah. that we were told. Yeah. Excuse Renata, she's munching a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I forgive you. I did put out cheese and bickies for us to get through. Uh, but you wonder how often that owl has been there before and nobody's thought to notice it because it wasn't on an anniversary. That's true. It's a, a jot. Just one of those things, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, and... There's been other paranormal phenomena reported. Do, 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 do. Yay, you did it. Uh, apparently, the uh, apparitions will appear day and night. They have objects that are moved and thrown within the cells by unseen forces, and some people feel an unbearable, unbearable sensation of dread and depression whilst walking the lonely corridors. Mm. We were warned about the chapel. Yes. I remember we were warned about the chapel. We were worried the roof was going to fall in on us. <laughs> there is a photo of us. Look, and like the paintings, the artworks in there are, are amazing. I don't yeah. know if you remember them. They're very vivid. And uh, that cross the girl was talking about, it was it's in the photo that we've taken. Uh-huh. So we can pop that up so people can have a look. So there is another story here. Sorry, I'm just stopping and getting myself organised. Uh, of... Um, This is a gentleman. He was walking through Section 1, which is where the short-term remand and juveniles were kept. He was taking photos when he saw a shadow-like figure walk out of one of the cells. It stood and turned to face him as it let out a yell or a groan. The figure then bolted down a flight of stairs, its form dissipating as it went. Oh, I would like to see that. Now, he was taking photos at the time. Mm-hmm. So he uh, said he, he did take lots of photos of the incident that was happening, but only two out of the 13 shots of that section turned out. Mm-hmm. None of the rest of them turned out. He's probably shaken too hard. Uh, so the ones that they did get... There is no sign of anything paranormal. Oh. So did he have a uh, a psychic experience yes. where he was actually seeing it in his mind's eye, but it seemed very real to him, mm-hmm. which can happen mm-hmm. in these locations. Yes. Now, there is also some stories of um, 
ghost stories of the Aboriginals of the land before the prison was built. Uh, And I looked high and low trying to find these stories and I couldn't find any stories at all Mm -hmm. relating to the original landowners. So I... I can only just throw that in there. But, yeah, they do talk about the tunnels as well. Uh, the tunnels are underneath the jail where a lot of stories came from. So then I went searching for ghost stories about the tunnels. Mm-hmm. None. None. Mm. Really odd. Yeah, this was a difficult one to research. And I find that in areas where there have been so many people, um, like prisons, um, it is often really hard to track down a story, a continuing story of a, a particular spirit that you can sort of really put a name to. Often it is these random shadows, these random things, random footsteps, um, random connections. It's spontaneous events. Yeah. There is nothing that really, apart from Martha appearing in the window, I do have another ghost story. But before we finish on the ghost story, I just wanted to tell you some other things Mm -hmm. that these guys have been very clever. Now, look, when we went to do the ghost tour, not the ghost tour, the um, when Roman and I went to do a tour, we couldn't get in. They had tours every hour overlapping and they're all booked out. Mm -hmm. These guys have got their tourism sorted Mm -hmm. and it's... It's not a private venture. It is all put back into maintaining this magnificent building. It really is quite huge. But there is a um, an event that they had there a few backs a few years back uh, from Genre Phonics, uh, and they had a multimedia show featuring featuring original horror music and soundscapes, all performed live alongside compelling imagery of Fremantle's architecture and its ghosts. Oh, the hounds are going off. So you can imagine how exciting that was, having uh, all these actors and the music and and everything. And they had uh, different locations, told different ghost stories. But then does this overlap with the uh, alleged ghost stories that are there. Are they part of the um, theatrics that were put on there mm-hmm. that have now become legend? Because this was, like, as I said, a few years back. Um, but then there's not that many ghost stories. Mm. Yeah, for a site that had so many people going through it. Um, I, and, I mean, there could be more. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't – we didn't find them. Um Maybe they're not online. Maybe they've been kept quiet so that yeah. they can only be available to the tour guides. Yeah, they only offer torchlight tours. They don't actually offer. No, no, no. Yeah, we, we almost asked. we almost got one booked in until they realised what we were booking in, and yeah. they're like, no, no, no. But Amy's crypt actually has done an episode on it. So check out Amy's Crypt. She's got um, some videos and things in there which are really cool. They had some stuff going down. So uh, now there was one other thing I wanted to mention here before I go to the last ghost story. Mm -hmm. And that is that they've now made part of the prison into a youth hostel. Oh. And you can stay there the night. Oh. And yeah, um, I remember that. Yes. Unlike, was it Bodman? Is that the one they turned really fancy? Yes. Uh, this is... Basic. A basic one. Uh-huh. Right? This is like dorms and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can get your own private room with your own private bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have listed in the hostel rules, if you see a ghost, notify reception immediately. <laughs> So what are they going to do? Ask the ghost to leave? Yeah, they're going to pay rent. (laughs) 
Now, let me finish up with this last ghost story. Mm-hmm. This is the ghost story of John Gavin, and it's a sad one. Oh. Uh, he was only 15 years old, oh. and he was a farmhand and was accused of murdering the child of the family whose farm that he worked on. Now, John kept saying he was innocent. He claimed that he did not kill the child, but he was still sent to the gallows, uh, which was just outside the roundhouse. Now, he was not very heavy. He was a lightweight, as you like to say. And uh, they had to wrap his legs with irons and weights to make sure that his neck snapped when oh, he got dropped. No. Isn't that horrible? That is terrifying. But there's, there's worse. There's worse because later on, the mother of the murdered child was diagnosed with postnatal depression. Oh. And she had probably killed that baby, not him. She'd blamed it on John. Oh, no. So it's John that's believed mm-hmm. to haunt the shipwreck galleries, making banging noises on the wall. Visitors see things out of the corner of their eyes, but when they look, there's nothing there. Um, he's also been reported outside of the roundhouse, uh, probably lamenting the fact that he was sent to the gallows and it wasn't his fault. Mm. So... That's all I've got. Mm-hmm. And I tried really hard. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's not to say the place doesn't have uh, a lot of residual energy and yeah. a lot of areas that over the years people have added their emotions to mm-hmm. after hearing all of these stories. Mm-hmm. And there could be some latent intelligent energies that are there. Yeah. Um, maybe there just aren't a lot that are named. And I know the same thing's happening in at Maitland Jail. Yeah. There are a lot of spirits and energies that kind of don't have a name. But we've sort of given some of them names from what's come through on the spirit box. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe if there were more um, paranormal investigations allowed in there, yeah. that would, have, would be done over a period of time. Maybe some of these spirits could be identified. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? But Who knows? what do you reckon? Do you think this is a true haunting? I think so. Uh, and I actually like the fact that it's not laden with a lot of ghost stories. That, to me, actually makes it more in, um, incredible when something does happen. Yeah. Because we know that they're not always there. Yes, and, and, this is true. And yeah. that ghosts aren't there every time you walk in. And just because you're doing a tour doesn't mean there's going to be something that occurs. Apart, apart from mannequins being thrown over balconies and actors jumping out to scare you. So I actually like the fact that there's less than more. Yeah, you just think with the amount of trauma within the location and those beautiful big sandstone bricks that built it, that there would be either residual, um, if not intelligent, Absolutely. entities there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we need to go visit again and stay so. in that the, the, the part they made into the, the YHA. <laughs> I'm up for that. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of The True Hauntings. You know what to do. Make sure you share it around. Let people know why you're laughing your head off and uh, and tell them to have a listen and, and uh, join in the fun. Now, we'll be back next week with another episode, we hope. If for some reason there is not an episode in the next week or two, just know that I am heading off to holidays and we're trying to get ahead, but... Uh, Corona put us behind. So uh, we will do our best to keep one coming out every week. But in the meantime, see you on the dark side. And stay spooky, everyone. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.